Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's conversation is with my homeboy, Sean Stevenson. Sean is the author of Sleep Smarter. He's also got another book coming out that we discuss throughout this conversation. It's referred to as Eat Smarter. I'm really excited to get to read it. I haven't checked it out yet, but I'm sure based off of knowing Sean, that it's incredible. And he's rad. He's a best-selling author. He's a nutritionist. He is a uh, mad scientist of all things that make your mind and body function better. And he's just a genuine, authentic, incredible man, father, friend, and good human being. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with y'all here in Tulum, Mexico, presently. And uh, I am about to take off here in a moment and get to start my advanced scuba diving certification. So I'm going to be diving in some cenotes, which are like these underwater caves, do some reef dives. If you guys have the opportunity, I highly recommend you try scuba diving if you are interested in like breath work or mindfulness practices or whatever i can't think of something more effective for tapping into those parts of you i don't know that i've encountered something that is more uh, profound in its ability to drop you into your breath. I mean, your, your breath literally is the thing that controls your elevation. Whether you when you breathe in, you ascend. When you breathe out, you descend. And then uh, you kick your little flippers, and that's how you move around the ocean. Wanted to share with you guys, people have been super excited about the new strength training equipment that we produced called the Align Strength Kit. Pretty rad. We essentially integrated all the things that you would need for a home gym in the form of resistance bands. So we put together over 200 pounds of resistance in the form of four different sized resistance bands. And then we also include a hip band, a door anchor, and then there is a video instructional guide that goes along with it. That's um, what I've been traveling with. So if you jump over to the Instagram Align podcast, you'll see me doing different workouts with people on the beach and all that uh, in the hotel room. And uh, it's been my absolute saving grace on maintaining good fitness while I'm traveling. It's really great for decompressing joints. You can hang. One of my favorite moves is to hang the orange band up in the highest setting in the door so on the top of the door and i'll wrap that around my hips and then i'll drop my hands down to the ground essentially go into a down dog while the band is decompressing my hip joints and my lower back and sacrum and it is freaking amazing and so you can find that at alignband.com that's a-l-i-g-n band.com and uh, go for the strength kit is my recommendation. Includes everything you need to make what, any exercise you would do in a gym. You can do it at your home, at your hotel, at your office, wherever you need to be. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thanks for reviews on iTunes. Thanks for doing you. I hope you devour this conversation. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Here we go. Back to the scheduled programming with Sean Stevenson. This is all Align podcast uh, purview. Align. We're in the <laughs> Align. <laughs> Whenever I just I, I I say Align, I always reference it back to like aligning your tires, as opposed to anything like spiritual or physical oh, or anything like that. I like that. that. Just to kind of keep it throw Good a little curveball. Like remember, That's... align your tires. Yes. Just keep it whatever. General alignment. Keep it whatever. <laughs> whatever. I don't want to be too dogmatic. <laughs> whatever you want to align. You can, you can do that. I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> Social dilemma. 
Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, this, this quarantine experience, this pandemic, this shutdown experience can be defined by its documentaries. Yeah. It started off. Netflix knows how to feed, <laughs> feed the, the, your consciousness. There was the Tiger was. King. Yeah. There was the Tiger King uh, phase of the pandemic. Yeah. Right? It was kind of as new, it was like strange. <laughs> Right, like what is this? It's exotic Joe, right? Yeah. Then we moved into the demand the people want. It was like, we are, we're going crazy. We need that Michael Jordan dynasty it's documentary. True. It's true. Right, and ESPN delivered, you know? So that was inspiring. It was um, uplifting. It was great to see behind the, the mind of somebody who has impacted the culture so much. Mm -hmm. And then we moved into the real stuff. You know, now we're looking at social dilemma and it's just bringing to bear something that we, we all know this. These are those things that we know, but we don't really want to look at. Mm. And the impact that social media is having on our development and especially having on our children, it is, it's concerning. But the thing is, the medium itself isn't good or bad. Right. It's how you use it, yeah. you know? But we oftentimes don't realize that it's, it's beginning to use us. In a mm -hmm. sense, you know, we, we, we don't really see when the transition starts to happen when you can't do without it. Yeah. And that's problematic for sure. What was surprising about that documentary for you? Oh, man. Not much, actually, yeah. because, you know, I've been looking at this data for quite some time. But the thing that was like, oh, like hit me moment is when they brought up the statistics with, um, with suicide with children. Self-harm and suicide, adolescence. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that was just really heartbreaking. And the ages that it's happening with. Yeah, that was, that was probably the most alarming part. I wonder where and if there is a bridge between uh, screen addiction uh, and nutrition. Mm. Is there some way to jump oh, into man. that from a nutritional you, conversation? All this stuff's connected, it's aligned. <laughs> you know what's fascinating is you know my first book uh sleep smart that came out in 2016 i believe yeah. and it really ushered in it was a part of a big shift in culture and one of the things that i talked about in the book was this really fascinating study that was done that found that for every hour of sleep lost each night it led to 20 minutes additional of what was called cyber loafing the next day, right? Mm. So each and every hour of disrupted sleep, we tend to just, what, what, what we call these quote, just checks. Like, let me just check my phone really quick. And we tend to do that a little bit more. And I've seen it happen in my own life. If there's, you know, traveling, something goes, going on, I tend to have very good parameters around my device, but I'll just pick it up and if you're not aware of it, you'll just pick your phone up and immediately tap on that app. And you're, boom, you're into the, into the domain, you're in the funnel. But just a couple of little simple things is like moving that app from the front of page. But our fingers are quick too. So you could, even if you hide on the fifth page, you could yeah. and, and jump right into that rabbit's hole. But sleep deprivation, number, number one, first and foremost, is one of the things that it basically, it brings down uh, our ability to self-regulate, you know, that, and UC Berkeley did some really great brain imaging studies on this, and they looked at what happens in a sleep-deprived brain. And the part of the brain, the more executive prefrontal cortex is responsible for distinguishing between right and wrong, social control, which social control, that part of the brain starts to go cold. And the part of the brain that gets lit up is the amygdala, 
which the amygdala is really just about self. It's really about emotion, you know, and what feels good right now and staying away from things that don't feel good, hmm. right? It's a more primitive part of our brain, but it's valuable. But when that part of the brain, we call it an amygdala hijack, when that part of the brain takes over and jumps into the driver's seat, man, it's hard to control yourself. And so often we're trying to pit our willpower against our biology. And eventually your biology is going to win out. That's just the nature of the game. You know? So definitely sleep deprivation, it plays into it. But then we can go into the domain of how does our nutrition affect our sleep. And this, oh man, this is a really fascinating place. So where do we go with that? On the way here, I was, I was listening to a thing about movement and food and all that stuff. And there's this ongoing circle of, you know, we're moving to eat and then we're eating to move and then we're moving to eat and then we're eating to move, you know? And so in modern culture, we're missing out on the whole movement portion of that conversation. We're just eating to eat, to eat, to eat, to eat. You know, so I wonder what's the relationship of the, the nutrition to sleep side? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that the conversation starts with understanding that a big part of our sleep experience, we think it's all in our head, but a big part of our sleep experience actually resides in our gut. Mm. And so one of the studies that I highlighted uh, in my new book found that there's about 400 times more melatonin in your gut than in your brain. New book, Eat Smarter. Eat Smarter, yeah. yeah. When does it come out? So it comes out December 29th. We're gonna end 2020 oh. on a high note. Very cool, put this out <laughs> around, around that time frame. So here's the beautiful part is that we know there's a kind of succession. None of our hormones operate in a vacuum. Everything's connected. It's aligned. And serotonin is kind of a seed to growing melatonin. It's a precursor. And it's well noted. A lot of people throw this statistic around, but about 85% of your serotonin is in your gut too. Right. And serotonin is well noted to be this kind of feel-good neurotransmitter. Like when serotonin is doing its thing, your receptor sites are working well, you, you're, you tend to be in a much better mood. But it's also required to build your most prominent sleep-related hormone. But melatonin is a lot more than just sleep, by the way. It's really just, it's a big regulator of your overall circadian rhythm. So it, it is a master hormone that regulates other hormones. And so if that's thrown off, the whole thing's thrown off. But anyways, when I, went to, when I went to college, I was taught melatonin is produced in your pineal gland. That's it. Yeah. Next subject. But you can actually have your pineal gland removed. I don't recommend it, by the way. But what they did was, you know, if you have a pinealectomy, you still have melatonin being produced by these enterochromaffin cells in your gut. You know, so you're still making melatonin. And again, most of it is in your Why belly. would somebody get a pinealectomy? I don't know, Some type man. of like tumor or something around the pineal gland? You know, of course there's... A lot of stuff is done with That means they're a too. witch in a past life, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that means. Damn witches. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I mean, we think we're so evolved in science right now, you know, like we're still doing very archaic things, oh, yeah. you know, but it was just a couple decades ago that it was common practice. What do you think, uh, foreshadowing or looking into the future, what do you think is archaic in the present moment? Oh, man. You want to open this door? <laughs> <laughs> you can if you want. You can I mean, door you want. <laughs> okay. I think it's important for us to understand where we are right now because I don't think a lot of people realize this and I make it an effort to remind us of this. Most of my friends work in healthcare, you know, nurses, physicians, 
uh, chiropractors, nutritionists, wonderful people, um, many in conventional medicine, you know, who've kind of started to lean into functional medicine, integrative medicine. But I also have, you know, thousands upon thousands of, you know, folks who follow my work who work in, you know, in the ER, they work in coding. These are really good people. Some of the best and brightest, we know this. But the way that our current medical system is structured, right now, everybody knows this, what I'm about to share. Number one, the biggest cause of disease, the number one killer of Americans every single year is heart disease. Yeah. Well-known statistic. It was like 565,000 or something around there. Somewhere around there. Big number. Big number. A lot yeah. of souls, a lot of lives lost. Number two is cancer. Number three is something called iatrogenesis. Iatra meaning physician, genesis meaning created. Yeah. The number three cause of death in our country every year is death due to medical error. Going to see your doctor, unfortunately, is a dangerous thing in our country, but we don't seem to realize this. And I just shared a report the other day. There's about 100 million prescriptions filled every year for medications that end up getting recalled. So these are things that are consumed, ingested, injected, and poured back into the environment, back into the rivers, back into the ground, recirculated. Doesn't just go away after that yeah. person, it continues in the cycle. One of the most fascinating studies that's also in, sleep, in Eat Smarter talks about our water system and how, you know, testing from California all the way to New Jersey, this was 40 million Americans' homes. Coming through your faucet, you've got residues. And again, these are microscopic amounts, but it's still there. Antidepressants, chemotherapy medications, statins, coming through your sink. Mm. This stuff doesn't just disappear, you know? So what I want people to really understand is that even though these are really good people, they're operating in a system that doesn't work. It's amazing for emergency medicine. Let's be clear about that. Absolutely phenomenal. Even emergency medicine, emergency drugs to get somebody out of pain, emergency medication if you know somebody's not able to breathe, the list goes on and on. But for chronic diseases, it's, it's absolutely atrocious. And I don't have to make it up. You know, everything continues to go up every year. Heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, obesity. Nothing is getting fixed. And yet the, the system continues to operate as is. And as a matter of fact, it keeps doubling and tripling down on itself. We had about $4 trillion spent in healthcare last year. $4 trillion. And I, I don't think we can wrap our minds around how much that is. That's like 999,999 billions plus one more times four. It's a, it doesn't even make sense. Hmm. And yet nothing is getting fixed. And this is the same system that we're betting on to fix the current crisis that we're in. It's not that the system is broken. It was designed this way from the inception. It's based on a pharmaceutical model. And there's so much money in play and even though I'm gonna get, lean into this one more time, these are really good people, but if you take really smart people and you teach them the wrong thing, yep. they become world-class at teaching the wrong thing. So do you think that that relates back to like the origins or like the Rockefellers and kind of buying out the pharmaceutical industry and pumping billions of dollars into lobbying for that and kind of changing the narrative? A question that, I, that comes up with me with all of this stuff around um, what's happening in the current events 
sometimes the conversations that I hear from either side, it sounds almost like this like Marvel comic book, mm-hmm. you know, evil villain type thing. And something that I'm kind of curious is like, one, like, does evil exist? Is that actually even a, a thing? <laughs> yeah. Or, or are all people inherently good and their intention is to do the right thing, but you can only do the right thing based off of the information that you have? Yeah. You know, so I would just wonder, like, where the origin of all of this is. My, I'm so overjoyed right now <laughs> because these are things that I think about. Like, I literally think about these things daily. Yeah. And I told you, like, I was doing a rehab, so I spent a lot of time just walking alone by myself with my thoughts for, for months. Yeah. And this was something I was really pondering a lot because I imbibed, I took on the belief that life is good, that we're all connected and that life is good. And I think it served me a lot. But then you see the things that are happening. Of course, you, you question, like, is that actually true? Does evil really exist? And at its core, I think that the concept of evil is a little flawed mm. because I believe that people are inherently drawn towards each other. We're inherently draw, drawn towards connection, towards love, towards protecting the people that we care about. And when we have this illusion that there's this other, of course, this enemy, it's you against them, that's when we start to get in some trouble. But the problem really is, and where evil, the concept of evil can start to expand, is when we're hurt. Hurt people hurt people. And we know this, we know this. So getting to the root of fixing this issue, how do we help people? How do we create humans? How do we develop and support humans to be the best possible, you know, the best humans possible? And this is something that is, even right now as we're sitting here, there are millions of children who are being abused. They're in the conditions, much like I grew up in, where I go to bed at night and I don't have a level of certainty of what's gonna happen, even while I'm sleeping. There might be somebody gets shot. There might be people in my own family who are fighting and breaking things and bloody. Like you don't know what's gonna happen, you know, when you go to sleep. And so- This is growing up? This is growing up. Yeah. And so I'm carrying a level of PTSD that I don't even really realize. And I have to work through so much stuff to become the person that I am being in that environment. It's a fucking miracle, really. You know, but it's possible for all of us because the template is still there. But what I, my tendency is going to be is to hurt people as well. You know, so I had my versions of that, you know, so it was with the, you know, with the ladies, you know, when I was <laughs> like in, in co- high school and college, you know, like I didn't really consider the other side's perspective. I was just doing the thing that I was taught in my environment, you know, so it's just like on to the next one, on to the next one. And man, I had to, had to do a lot of work. Right before I moved here to California, I actually bumped into a girl that I dated in college. And she was just, this was like 18 years ago. But she saw me, she's shaking. And I'm just like, hey, how's it going? You know. But she knows, she's also been following me as well. She's just like, why couldn't you be that, this person then for me? And, you know, I apologized to her, like, I, I was scared, I was lost, I didn't know those things, you know, but I'm just, humans, we tend to be, and this is a beautiful thing I'm, I'm going to share, we, but part of it is kind of cookie cutter. 
we tend to be a product of our environment. We can't help it. But we're also a creator of our environment. That's what makes humans very special. And the second part of that, though, we have to become aware of it. Most of us never realize that we can actually create our environment. Because we tend to operate in these bubbles, we think that people know this. We don't. I didn't know for a long portion of my life that there was a way out. You know, when I met my wife, I lived in Ferguson, Missouri. I chose to live there. Like that was a, that was a, that was a good place. Like that was a good neighborhood, like a good apartment complex to me. You know, but every day I'm going out my front door dealing with, you know, it might be something with, you know, just people in the neighborhood, police, just getting to college, just that trip every day is a question. Like, am I going to get there? Am I going to get there unimpeded? Every day. But I don't realize it. I've just accepted it as normal. Yeah. You know, so all of that said, man, I mean, there are, there are manifestations of evil, like we can label it as such, but what it really boils down to is helping people to feel loved, helping people to feel safe, helping people to feel seen, our basic human needs. When those things are not met, that's when things can go awry. And another thing, you know, a really good friend of mine, so grateful that he's, you know, in my life, Dr. Daniel Amen, he has the largest database of SPECT imaging, brain, brain scans. And so often what we think are mental disorders, mental health disorders, are really brain disorders. Our brain can actually be hurt and injured causing the behavior. And so we might see the outer manifestation of somebody who's like a psychopath, but they, they might have something broken in their you know, frontal lobe. There might be something blocked or they might be, you know, they might've had an injury when they're a child. Like there's so many different issues. And he has the data to affirm this, yeah. you know? And once we can f help to kind of fix those issues instead of just throwing drugs at people, like let's actually get a peek at what's going on in their brain. And this is the beautiful part about medicine. That's the beautiful part about our advancement. However, if we take that technology and we have that as like, that's the accessory and we're still rooted in, without that psychiatry is very much like it was 100 years ago. It's based on a conversation, yeah. you know? and based on what you're telling me, oh, you sound like you're depressed. Let me give you some antidepressant medication. Sure. You know, but that- And then I'm gonna get paid on the back end. Even though I'm inherently a good person, there's still, when you bring finances into it, there's inevitably, there's gonna be some type of bias that subconsciously pops up. I mean, I'm sure you experience it all the time in relation to like, maybe like sponsors or anything like that. It's like, oh, that's like, damn, that's like, my whole, that's the whole nut for the, for the month, that sponsorship, yeah. you know, but is this incongruence with, with me? Aligned. Is it aligned? Is yeah. it aligned, man? There's a thing that you, you mentioned, so in relation to like the origins of the, you know, whether evil exists and such, it's still something I'm kind of contending with. Um, and I think it's an interesting kind of like philosophical question just to explore, like, does evil exist? If it is, what are the origins of that? Um, but the thing that I think is really interesting that you were mentioning that I noticed in my own life is the tendency to kind of get deep enough into a relationship with another person and then kind of reach a certain point and then all of a sudden start wandering in other directions, mm -hmm. which I think is very common, like probably maybe masculine trait, masculine feminine, I'm not sure, me trait. 
Um, for you, was there any type of transition of sorts that allowed you to become more stable <laughs> enough to create a you family know, and have a beautiful wife and you know not always be in that wondering state or are you still in a wondering no, state? No, 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 I'm not, man. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing, there's no, I mean, there's no judgment there really because there is a logical way of that, you yeah. know, but there's also like a psychotic version of that, yeah. you know. Um, because, you know, many people, there's just seasons, you know, but I think that I had a core already there. The, the earliest portion of my life, I lived with my grandfather and my grandmother, and they were an entity. They were the only successful relationship I've ever seen in my entire life was them two. But it left, because I had that, it left an imprint. Mm. And I just always felt like I want that, you know, like this feels great. That's where I had certainty when I went to bed at night. Yeah. That's where I had love. That's where I had, I was celebrated, you know. It's so many good and beautiful things. And so um, what, what really changed, man, it wasn't about, it's never about the person. That's the thing people fuck up with. Like they think like the right person, then they're gonna change. I wanted to be different. When I met her, I was at a point of like, I am, I'm just sick of being like this because I was recovering from a, a health issue myself. And that, that health issue required me to not just get physically healthier, it required me to change the way I, I was thinking. Yeah. Because I was asking habitually these questions. In the brain, it's like a servo mechanism. You know, There's this uh, incredible aspect of the human brain called instinctive elaboration. Anytime you pose your brain a question, it has to answer. It's the nature of how the brain works. Mm. And so I was habitually, for the two years that I was dealing with this like massive spinal degeneration, arthritis of the spine, basically. Um, I, would, I kept asking, why me? It was just on repeat, like, why me? Why is this happening to me? And I would keep feeling and having these insights come up about how much I sucked as a person. You know, like on the surface, things are okay coming from where I come from. Like I have my own apartment, have a car, you know, I, I look relatively, you know, decent. Yeah, yeah and the, the bullet points were checked. The yeah. The boxes were like, okay, cool. I should be happy. I should, things, things should be okay. But the quality of my character was not in alignment with the person that I, in my core, like I knew myself to be. You know, like I love people. I want to help people. I want to see people win. I want to be inspiration. I want to be a leader for my family. You know, my, brothers, my brother and my sister. And I was doing none of those things. I'd really forfeited my health and kind of passed it over, you know. But um, to, to circle back to that point, when I started to get physically healthier, I, I realized like a big part of the reason that I'm not well is my relationships and how I function in relationships. And I started to just see people, you know. And I'm not that person though. I'm not a person that's like, well, let me put it like this. I didn't want to be self-centered, but the nature of where I come from, it's like a survival mechanism. Yeah, you know what I mean? Scarcity. And so once I started to kind of open up, I realized I, I can perspective take, you know? And so I had just kind of like took, taken a break. I was just focusing on, now I was healthy. I was helping clients. I was strength conditioning coach at this point. And I wasn't thinking about women or relationships really, you know? And so that's when I met her. And she was like the compliment for so many things in my life. And it just felt good, it felt right. And I remember, I don't know if I've ever shared this before, but I remember 
uh, me and her, we like we were dating, you know, talking for a month or two, and then I got the, like a call at two in the morning from this other girl, you know, you, you know, the two morning, one in the morning call, it's a booty call, and I felt when the call came in, I felt like dirty, like, like yeah. is this who I am, who I was, you know? And I remember telling her, it's the first time I've ever done this. You know, I'm like, you know, I think I was 24 at the time. And I was like, uh, I met somebody. Uh, I can't, I, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You know, and she's like, uh, okay. And then we hung up, you know, yeah. and I was like, oh, oh, this is serious, yeah. you know. But it wasn't, it wasn't that it felt bad because of what I, you know, was interested in, which is my, my, my woman, my wife. My love, it it was more so I did the thing I had never done before and it was uncomfortable to do, you know. Um, but I met I later later bumped into that girl too. <laughs> I've had many bumping into's, man. Do you, you think know? the origin of the, the like the wandering eyes thing, is that just a total natural like hunter-gatherer primal tribal living thing that we should all be banging each other and raising each other's kids and that's <laughs> some like ancestral thread that's coming through your DNA or do you think that perhaps that comes from something of like uh, some sensation of fear that perhaps were maybe I'm, I'm just like spitballing but maybe I'm like going into a certain depth with this other person that all of a sudden makes me feel more vulnerable because if they leave me then it's going to really hurt so I'm going to kind of hedge my bets by becoming hot for other people yeah or another thing that's kind of coming to mind is perhaps you can ride a certain depth with a person, but you can only go as deep as you're willing to go within yourself. Because ultimately love isn't about another person, it's about you. And the other person just kind of perhaps acts as some type of like kindling or flint or some type of mechanism to open up the love that was already within you before. Yeah. But ultimately it's, it's you. Yeah. You know, and then we're together, we kind of do this kind of equation, chemistry, orchestra, dance thing. But your love is about you and my love is about me. And when we're together, we kind of play on each other's buttons. But perhaps you're only able to go as deep with another person as you can within yourself. And when you start to push against that boundary, perhaps you have this subconscious kind of push back of saying, oh, God, like, go bang somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, to answer that question... Uh, I, I totally, 1,000% agree with you that that love is really about ourselves. But we have this very romantic concept, you know, because of media, you know yeah. what I mean? That love is supposed to look this certain way, it's supposed to feel this certain way. And then you get pop, it gets popularized and romanticized that like, I'll die for you, and just yeah. like, I'm nothing without <laughs> you, and you're my other half. You it's complete like, me. I don't know if that's healthy. Yeah, yeah. it's dangerous. Sure that's the right it's dangerous. way to you know, right there, there are components of those things <laughs> that we again we romanticize, we turn into we turn into their own entities. Yeah. But there's definitely a feeling of connection, there's a feeling of dependency. But what I encourage, and the only time my wife and I ever felt like we were on the verge of like not being together is when we were really working on ourselves. You know, we were both really doing a lot of, you know, just inner work, you know, a lot of meditation, a lot of just seeking, you know, I guess it would be the, the, the popular term. And we found ourselves like at a little fork in the road. And it's just because we both believed that we should be happy all the time. Mm. And that was pressure. the problem. Yeah. That was the problem. Because that's pretend. That's a 
uh, fairy tale definition of relationships and of life, period. It's like a storm coming, hitting the beach as a failure. Yeah. Like, what has the tribe done, the gods? It's like, no, it's raining. <laughs> right, right. Damn, <laughs> this, this is great. <laughs> but man, like, we see there's certain, you know, and not to, not to discredit any of the work of the, you know, wonderful gurus who are doing work, but there's this perception that they've achieved this enlightenment or this happiness, and that's their eternal state. And the reality is very different from that. And me having, like I've been around a lot of these guys as well. And the real ones will tell you like, there are, there are peaks and valleys, you know, in emotion. The difference is they're aware of it. The difference is they can play within all of it. The difference is your emotions and your feelings no longer define you. That's where the real work is. And so we were, figuring those things out, but we kept on like, you know, I meditate for 30 minutes, you know, she's meditating. And then, you know, we see each other later and then we have an argument. It was like, didn't you just meditate? Why are you so upset? You know, and it's just like, we, we project and we want people to be the way we want them to be. It's very simple so that I can be happy. Yeah. And it's just, it is literally just, it's torture. It's self-torture. And what really changed things for us was understanding that Truly, like my happiness is about me. There's certain things that I enjoy, certain ways of being, and there's certain ways that she enjoys and that she, ways of being for her. And there are things that I add to her life, are conditions I can help to create to bring those feelings she wants more often, but I can't do it for her. Yeah. And that's the secret. You know, that's the real, you know, secret that shouldn't be a secret. And so even if when I create those conditions, which I have in many instances because I'm aware of them. It also feeds a need that we have too to serve and to love and to, to, to make somebody else feel special. But again, you cannot be dependent or reliant upon their response because you know eight out of 10 times, she's going to have the response of joy that I want. But those other two out of 10, you know, I could be like, never do that shit again, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's just this very selfish thing that we tend to carry, you know? But an enlightened, relationship, an enlightened person, I, I believe, is just able to analyze and see those things. It doesn't mean that you stop them all either. It means that it happens and I become aware of it. Like, oh, I'm doing that thing, you know? And so right now, I mean, and I, I know this is not everybody, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm literally obsessed with her. But in a, in a way that I choose, it's not like, it's not an unconscious obsession. I've detailed in my mind all the things that I love and enjoy about her consciously. And I think that this is something very special when you can consciously tie yourself to somebody where I know that I'll be all right without her, but I choose not to be. Hmm. And I know that I know that I can love. I know that there are other people that exist in the universe because there is a phase early where I'm lying to myself like, oh, there's... And she even saw it, like I would teach classes and then like some ladies would be, you know, hitting on me. I'm just like, I, I'm just, I literally am ignoring it. It's not happening. No, what are you talking about? But I know it's happening. There's other things happening in the universe for sure, always. But she's just, I like her more. I enjoy her more. She is so much more valuable to me than 
any of that stuff. Wanted to take a brief moment and thank a vital mineral referred to as magnesium. Magnesium is the only supplement that I will actually pay for with my own monies. I get a lot of different supplements in the mail from various different companies. Try this, try that. I don't really care about most of them, to be honest. I'm open to taking them, but it's not something I really care that much about. Magnesium is one of the only supplements that I will actually purchase. And that's why I teamed up with Bio-Optimizers who make some of the absolute highest quality magnesium and supplements in general that you can find on the market. They are incredible. I've been working with them for years now. And uh, magnesium is very important as a supplement, actually, because it's largely devoid within the modern-day soil. So through various different farming practices, monocropping, and things of the sort, we have been stripping our soil of magnesium. So it's a very vital mineral to have in your body. It's helpful for the strength of your muscles and your bones, helpful for production of energy. If you're having issues with sleep, I highly recommend taking magnesium before you go to bed, regardless whether you have issues or not. Down regulation of your nervous system in general. Starting to get those tight muscles, if your neck, shoulders, whatever it may be, is all tight and bound up, take some freaking magnesium. It is helpful. And you get yourself a sweet discount on the Mag Breakthrough version of their magnesium, which can contains all seven forms of magnesium. Very supportive, very helpful. Go to magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com slash align podcast, A-L-I-G-N podcast. 10% off. If you don't love the product, they will give you your money back. No big deal. You got nothing to lose, everything to gain. Enjoy that magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. What do you think it was in you that I'm under the illusion that we're all creating each other? You know, so this whole experience is about you and, you know, I'm just kind of this like dancer in your illusion and it's the same thing for me and we're kind of ultimately it's like we brought each other into each other's worlds. You know, we kind of meet at this point. But I wonder what was it about you that uh, allowed you to create her? if you were to run that narrative, that that's what we're doing. Wow. Private dancer, dancing <laughs> for money. So. I don't know that reference. What was, I, I'm pretty sure that's Tina Turner. Somebody's, gonna be like, somebody's definitely gonna know what that is. Okay. Um, so me creating her, so her becoming the person that she is. No, 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 her being presented in your life. Because if you were yeah. chicken nugget eating whatever, dude, she probably wouldn't have been there. You wouldn't yeah. have created her. Yeah. You know, if you want to run that, it could perhaps that doesn't this make is, any no, sense. No, this people, absolutely but. does. She is a representation of the very best of me. That's, yeah. that's another thing. But you had to do the work in yeah. order for that projection to come out of that. Exactly. Out exactly. of that little film projector. There's something, there's always. I'm, I'm a scientist. But there's these things that we just don't understand. And I think that's what's so beautiful about all this, what ha what's happening right now, is now, prior I would have these phases of it, but now I'm just swimming in the beauty of how little we know. We don't know shit. Your top virologists, they know less than, one per less than a fraction of a percent of all the viruses there are, or even about one single virus. We don't know shit. And the beauty is this unfoldment and this continuing to discover. But the problem when we start to think that we know everything, we have a level of authority. 
we should all be like babies, like eternal students, like little children, because we are, we're just hairier. Yeah, the authority is more like arrogance, I think. Yeah, it can, of course, transmute into that for sure. Yeah, I guess not always, but yeah. So for her to, to show up in the capacity that she has for me, it's been this, okay, so my point being, I can't explain how intuition works. I can't mansplain that shit. But there's something we all have, and we know if something feels right or feels wrong. But for me, of course, I'm, I'm always looking into the logic, into the science. We do know, and Princeton University researchers found this out, when two people are connected, just even for, like we are, just in this space, and we have a certain level of rapport, our brains start to sync up. Hearts too. Our hearts sync up, right? If you look at heart math, oh my God, it blows me. The tube torus expanding from our bodies, we're intersecting. Pretty cool. We're sharing an energy. Not to mention we're inoculating each other to each other's bacteria and we're like breathing each other. Like we're oh becoming each other in a sense. We're a little bit more than we were before we walked in the door. It's like uh, we're working out together. Like our immune systems are doing a workout together. Yeah. You know? And our emotional systems and it's all tied up. Yeah. It's powerful, man. It's really remarkable. So we know little bits and pieces, but the, the magnitude of it, we don't get. And I don't think we ever will because it's too vast. It's too beautiful. It's too enormous. But my, I felt something different. I, I, my intuition knew that she was that thing. And she, if she was here and she would tell you, there's a certain song that came on. It was a Kanye West, Jay-Z song. And it just spoke to the potential. It's like an older Kanye, by the way, old, old Kanye song. But it just really spoke to the potential that we have within us. And she's just... She was coming to my apartment in Ferguson and she was just broke, she broke down crying, like listening in the car, listening to it because she knew that I was that. Hmm. She, I didn't know this until years later. I played the song, she started crying. I didn't even know who I, I didn't know who I was yet. I didn't know the power that I had yet. I, all I knew at that point was just, I just want to help people. I just want to help people. And her being able to see that in me, again, like these things help to kind of flower and usher those qualities out that need to be there. She, being that person, she represents the best of me. She also represents... <laughs> I've, since the pandemic started, you know, I've... And again, like having so many incredible people in healthcare reaching out every single day, just like, thank you so much for saying this thing. Thank you for speaking up for logic and rationality. The reason I'm so good at this is that I'm willing to be wrong. I'm going into the data looking for, and it's a, it's a hard thing you gotta switch in your brain. It's like a switch you flip, because we all have biases. We all have biases. We all have beliefs on how the world is supposed to be. And those things are going to guide us, but you have to realize that there are other ways of being. There are other dimensions to it. And so I'm going into it looking at like, okay, what am I not seeing here? And look, let me go to the total other side of the spectrum and look at it from that perspective. But I still, of course, carry my core of just being human. And that's what I love about what you do too. Because the humanity, the human thread of it all, the basic stuff is ever present. Hmm. And a lot of the science right now is being called science. It's, it's teetering on the ridiculous. It's like really getting off of our core humanity. you know. And so the reason that I'm willing to be wrong is because of her. She has created so many opportunities for me to be wrong. 
it's amazing. It's amazing. I've apologized more like in the last 10 years than I did for like 30 years. You know what I mean? And it's a beautiful thing. But in the moment, of course, it's not always fun. Nobody waking up like, you know what? Ah, I'm gonna be wrong today. Yeah. You know, like we're not doing that. Everybody wants to be right. I think you kind of have to, especially like the, like starting talking about the social dilemma and such, you, you almost have to question like, uh, what are my opinions? And what does it mean if I am wrong? Because all of my opinions, you know, we're all living inside of these little echo chambers. And if you say something in serious listening or you type in, you know, bicycle wheel into your, into your Google machine, all of a sudden you're going to get plugged away with ads and all that. Mm -hmm. So you keep on, your attention is the most valuable commodity presently. Right. And so you have all of these different search engines and social media mechanisms and such vying for that all the time. And so it doesn't give a shit about you getting correct information. It doesn't give a shit about truth. It's not malevolent. It's not evil. It just doesn't give a shit about any of the details, all that's minutia, it cares about your eyeballs. You know, and so within that, it forces me to like step back and really come into a place of right now, pleasantly, I'm kind of spinning my wheels a little bit in like a state of withdrawal from everything because I value people from all sides of all the polarized arguments, you know, and, uh, you know, but it's ultimately like making me step back and kind of question my own beliefs and the beliefs that I hold I think I hold the strongest. Those are the ones that immediately come under my scrutiny to the highest degree right now, mm -hmm. because I'm like, okay, if I'm like this worked up, passionate about this thing, to me, I'm like, there might be some room for me to kind of miss logic, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like being able to step back behind that, I think in, in relationship, which ultimately is what everything is about, uh, and like with a partner, uh, being able to step back and not be so attached to like the, you know, the I, and be more kind of thinking of, of, of like the we, I guess it sounds kind of cliche, mm. you know, but if it's, if it's always this, this battle to prove your point, I guess my curiosity now, ultimately I think I'm just very confused, but I'm like, what is my point? Versus <laughs> yeah. what am I just being taught? Yeah, oh, that's, that's just so good, right? <laughs> it's so good. And this, this leads to something profound that many you know, many um, leaders, enlightened folks, quote, gurus have said is just question everything, you know, yeah. question your existence. And throughout time, man, you know, philosophers, like people put, they post their quotes, you know, all the time. But like, really, have you really taken the time to just ruminate and process on what these statements are? You know, question everything. What the fuck does that mean? Like, for real, like question everything. And the more you do that, the more you realize how little we know. And we, when I said earlier about imbibing a belief, one of the things we often don't realize as well is that we choose our beliefs. Yeah. We choose them. You're writing a book. We can, we can literally decide that, you know, people are aliens. Every, every human is an alien. And I'm the only person who originates from here or whatever. Like everybody else is like, they got an alien shit them out on a rock and like the sun hatched them and they're aliens. I went through a phase in, as a teenager for like the span of a year where that was my perception. Not like a fully schizophrenic way, but just in like a, uh, I just started seeing everyone as being strangers, mm. which ultimately that's probably quite strange for myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I was like, like the idea of sex and laughter and like all of the things, I just saw it as just like, 
you know, you're a bunch of neurochemistry and you know, everything was like beaker, you know, of yeah. a little bit of dopamine, a little bit of this and that. And it was, everything was very like kind of this gray mute type sensation. Um, so I kind of like lost humanity for a little while and perceived everyone as being essentially like, like, uh, like alien. It's very interesting. Wow. Uh, That's, this is so fascinating because I did the exact opposite. And uh, me operating from this kind of self-centered, very anal analytical thinking, my, my tendency in my thinking is towards like facts and figures, mm. you know? But I spent, I think it was maybe three months Everywhere that I went, every place, and I have this very specific scene in my mind of like going to a gym in St. Louis, club fitness, and seeing everybody as me, seeing everybody as an extension of myself. Yeah. We're all, you know, connected. Like when people say this stuff, and the weirdest, craziest stuff would happen. When I, I remember this day going to the gym because there's like a resident tough guy, you yeah. know, like the, like the grizzly guy, you know. We've never interacted, never spoke, but when I carry this perception, we lot like there was a moment we actually like synced up. Yep. And he smiled and we, you know, we spoke to each other. And just in passing, it was just like, yeah, you know, and, and I, I didn't not, not saying that I didn't think much of it, because I did later, but at the at the time, just like, you know, he's a part of me. You know, I love him, you know. And there was also a time when I was working at the gym at my university and something happened. This girl, this young lady started like flipping out and fighting with somebody, you know, like throw, she like threw a trash can. And I'm just like, you, this is never in all the years I've been in a gym has this ever happened, you know? But when it was happening, I was like, oh shit, I'm crazy too. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm oh, like, yeah. that's me too. I Absolutely. have that same potential. Yeah. And it, You're not that far from it. Man. All you need is a little bit of mushrooms, <laughs> you know, and you, your, your mind starts going like, oh, like I've had that before. I don't use a ton of psychedelics, but I think they're really like amazing tools. And, but I've had that before where, you know, a little half gram of psilocybin or something and starting to feel my, you know, self identity, structure, belief, all, all the things that I kind of hang my hat on start to slip a little bit. And it's like, oh, when you just, there was something about like that, it's like all it took was a little, this little, this little tiny piece of fungus <laughs> to start, cause my whole deck of cards to start to a little bit. And I'm like, oh man, the person ranting and raving on the street or any of that, like, I think that I'm way up here mm -hmm. and I drive by them and walk over them and like, oh man, that's, it's like, no, 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 no. Man, you know what? This, these are things that I just, Think about it. I've never really talked about this, but in truth, if we really want to be honest about ourselves, every single person, and we will we'll, we'll tell ourselves that this isn't true, every one of us is capable of the most disgusting, heinous, oh, yeah. atrocious, terrible thing. But at the same time, every single one of us is capable of the most beautiful, altruistic, courageous, wonderful thing, every one of us. And if you can see that in somebody else, that person that you hate, man, it really starts to just break down. You can start to see, you can start to understand them. And that's where like connection can happen and change can happen, you know, but also being aware that you have that, we evolve from that, we evolve from that. 
And this is the most important conversation of our time, I believe, because right now, the biggest epidemic is our lack of connection. Yeah, separation. But it's been building up for decades. We've slowly migrated away from each other. Yep. You know, I remember, you know, being a kid, you know, you just have your house phone. And so when you leave the house, you're just gone. Nobody can call, you can't get in touch till you get back. Right. You know? And sometimes people are just out in a neighborhood, you know, maybe family member, and you're at home, and then the doorbell would ring. And everybody goes to, we're all pumped. Like, who is it? Hey, you know, haven't seen you in a while. You know, it's like a joyful. Now, if somebody rang the doorbell right now in the afternoon, right now, we'd be like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, well, Why are you ringing my doorbell? <laughs> and our first thing we'll do is look at each other like, did you, do you have anything to do with this? Yeah. You know, maybe if we're quiet, they'll go away, whatever. Right. Like, we've just migrated away from each other. But now... Everything is really being brought to the surface. This is the beauty. This is the greatest time to be alive because we are writing history right now. This is a time our future generations will look back on. What that future looks like is up to us. Mm. That's why it's so beautiful. Because mm. I know some people are like, no, this is fucked up. This is beautiful if we choose, you know? And uh, that connection has been something that I've been... I've been doing a lot of, of, of work around for a long time, and I never said it. It was, it was really the driving force for so many of the things that I've done, you know, um, because I've literally had a situation where I did a talk for like a, a Jewish community center in a very nice neighborhood in St. Louis. And the same day I drove to East St. Louis to a reformed barbecue place on State Street, like one of the worst kind of rundown areas of East St. Louis, that because that woman who, who owned it and her husband came to a class I taught, they turned that place into a health food store in this desolated area. And I did a talk there on the same day, seeing these totally different universes, these totally different dynamics and seeing the thread that connects all of us. We all want the same thing. We all want to be loved. We all want to feel good. We all want to be healthy. But the environment that we've allowed to be created around us is just conducive. It is so supportive and even encouraging of sickness. Yeah. And our ability to connect and relate to each other, this is why I'm so passionate about it. Right now, there's so much civil unrest. There's so much you know, polarization taking place. Like these extremes are being seen right now. And what people don't really understand is that, and I'm gonna say this and then I'm gonna expand on it, is that people don't do well because they don't feel well. No. Our ability to connect is dependent upon how we feel. Now, if we feel like shit, we can, we can connect. It's harder. We can do it. We absolutely can make it happen. But when you feel good, it just makes the process so much easier. It makes it so much more graceful. And me being me, I went and dug into the data. Like I've got to find out how this works because I know it. I know it's true. I've seen it firsthand in my life. I've worked with thousands of patients, impacted the lives of, at that point, hundreds of thousands of people. And I knew that this was real. And then when I looked into the data, I started asking the right questions again, you know, that instinctive elaboration. It was right there 
in my face. And it's been there. Like this stuff has been there in the research, but the stuff that should be making headlines is not the stuff that's making headlines. Mm. You know, so one of them was, uh, I mean, there's so many, but I'll just share this one. At The Ohio State University, uh, the researchers wanted to find out how does our nutrition affect how we relate to our significant other? This is fascinating, right? Like this has been studied. So already I'm just giddy. And then I start to look into the data. And what they found is that when study participants had, you know, basically going hypoglycemic, right? Having high glycemic processed foods, the easiest way to get to it, but having a big crash in blood sugar, the couples tended to fight more often. And it's just like, huh, you don't say. And what that really leads to is the fact that when our blood sugar is unstable, it's not just that there's this term now that's in popular culture called hangry, yeah, right? Yeah. Hungry and angry. I know well. But this is a very real phenomenon that we just put a, a cute name on. But when, you are, when your blood sugar is unstable like that, what happens? Cortisol kicks in. Adrenaline kicks in. Your, body, your biology kicks in because it's a survival response to get you back aligned. That's why if you ever go to court for something, you want to make sure you go after the judge has had lunch. If you go in hangry, there's a statistically yep. significant yeah. uh, increase in the likelihood of you being convicted. It's, that's fascinating. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where we think we're doing the right thing. But when, when you are deprived of nutrition, your hangry representative showing up, and you don't really realize that it's happening. So often couples are getting into it because they're sleep deprived or they're hangry. And I have a checklist now. Like if there's ever any of that stuff going on with my wife and I, like I literally, I'm going through the checklist. Like how is my sleep? Am I, am I really stressed and I don't realize it? Yeah. Am I hungry? Is she hungry? How was her sleep last night? Is she overly stressed? Is something going on? It is healing. It's like right, the tools are right there, but they're hard to get to when you're upset. And so how this translates over into the real world, like I said, I've been working on this for several years, but just the past two years writing Eat Smarter. And I embedded that into this book. It's so important right now, but I have to give, you gotta give people what they want, like I told you before, you know, so the first part of the book is dedicated to the science of food and metabolism, but in a way that's never been done in book form before, like taking people behind the curtain. How does your metabolism actually work? Like, where the fuck does fat go when you lose it? Like, how does it, how? And the problem was like- Don't you breathe it out? I'll give away the secret. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But it, the, the problem is, is that, you know, publishers, agents, they're always impressing this idea. And I'm just paraphrasing it, that people aren't smart enough. They aren't smart enough to know that. Just tell them, eat this, not that. Oh. How has that done for our society? That doesn't fix shit. And so what I want to do is to eliminate all of the secrets. It's not complicated, it's just they make it complicated. Yeah. And so to take the, the complexity out of it, bring more joy and beauty into it and fun. And so taking people through that and like looking at what specific nutrients cause this enzyme related to lipolysis, right? The, the breakdown of stored fat. What, what nutrients actually make that process happen? Maybe these are important. Where do you find those nutrients? What's the best way to take the nutrients? 
right? What foods, of course, eat smarter? What foods are they found in? And so giving people all of that information in a way that's beautiful and, and, and empowering, but the real heart of the matter and the heart of the book is related to how food affects how we communicate with each other and it mm. affects our relationships. Again, just one of the studies was that Ohio State study, but even more profound right now, you know, seeing this civil unrest and um, I, I love this study because unfortunately the individuals involved were in, not in a advantageous situation, but the nature of them being in that situation allows for a lot of control of the different metrics. And so Oxford University researchers use prison inmates to analyze and just take a peek at how does your nutrition affect your behavior and even your level of violence. So they took one group and they gave them higher levels of nutrition, you know, just giving them additional vitamins, essential fatty acids. And then they had a control group who took a placebo. And so they tracked the data over a long period of time. So this was like several weeks, four, five, six weeks. And after they compiled all the information, what they found was that the inmates who received the additional nutrition, the essential fatty acids, they had a 30% reduction of behavioral incidents compared to the placebo group. 30% reduction. But what was most fascinating was that they had a 37% reduction in violent offenses simply by having better nutrition. Hmm. Now, again, we think that we're just out here managing ourselves. We think that we're managing our emotions and how we're responding. What if our nutrition is a huge key? Not even what if. This is, these are, these are these causative factors, proof that when we're undernourished, overstressed, underslept, we have a tendency towards lower level behaviors. It is much more difficult to perspective take. It's much more difficult to have compassion when you feel like shit or when you don't have the nutrition that your body needs. And so, and then there was another study that, you know, mirrored it. Because when you see something like that, the research, another set of researchers, and this was published in uh, the journal Aggressive Behavior. What a great journal name, by the mm. way. But a good it, band name. <laughs> right. <laughs> Aggressive Behavior. Yeah, we're here. We're here to rock. <laughs> Shooting out supplements through the crowd. Melatonin <laughs> supplements, getting them all well slept. We're done playing by nine. <laughs> 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 oh my God. Yeah. But they, they basically redid the study and they came up with essentially the same results because it was so jarring for the researchers. Like this cannot be right to have that much of a decrease in violent behavior by just getting people better nutrition. Now you, you take that out into the real world. What does that look like? Right. We look at right now, folks are just, of course, like whether we look at the dichotomy with, um, police officers and African-American citizens. And we look at the wonderful people, again, who want the same things at odds with each other. And of course, there can be underlying beliefs and perceptions about each other for sure. But I'm not, I'm not talking about that piece right now. I'm talking about the basic human premise of understanding and connection. It's much more harder to do. And if we look at law enforcement right now, and some of this is in the book as well, this is one of the most unhealthy fields of employment 
in, on planet Earth by, by far. So we see twice the rate of depression, almost twice the rate of depression of any other field. Highest rates of cardiovascular disease, diabetes, second highest rate of suicide. And nobody's talking about this shit. The extreme levels of stress, most top two sleep deprived positions as well. We have people who are unhealthy, policing people who are unhealthy. What do you think is gonna happen? Yeah. The likelihood of an incident or incidents continuously happening is astronomical. And we're not focused on the right thing. We keep trying to treat the symptoms. We keep trying to get people to change, to understand each other. It's hard to do when your shit's not working, when you literally don't have the nutrients your brain needs to process the data. We can do it, absolutely. People can take responsibility, you can understand. Humans are resilient, but it's just so much harder. And so I wanted to bring that conversation forward. And funny thing is, I've been, I've been working on this for two years, and for it to come out right now, during this time, and to create a real initiative towards, let's fix this situation. There's a pilot study done with police officers and firefighters in Reno, uh, Reno, Nevada. And, um, what they did was they just basically put them into a nutrition protocol, kind of like a you know, lower carb approach, more real food approach, and also gave them coaching on sleep habits. And they ended up saving the department of you know, uh, firefighters and police officers like $22 million mm. in healthcare expenses. Mm. Because that's another one of the issues we have to address. It's not just, hey, let's feed people, because people, the systems that control, they still have to make money. When you asked about evil earlier, that's the first thing that came up for me, is it's not necessarily that these people are, are quote, bad people or evil people. They're looking out for their shareholders. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pawns of a, a, a broader mind, you know, the mind of the corporation. If you take the, the, the CEO out of, you know, all of a sudden they go do ayahuasca in Peru for a weekend or something like that, and they come back and they're like, oh my God, like we're one love, I'm early. <laughs> That's not going to just change the corporation. You know, the corporation has its momentum. It's a, it's a huge titanic ship. You know, so it's not just an individual. It's, it's like an overall. That's why, you know, things like podcasts are, I think, quite amazing, quite powerful. You know, it's subtly lingering into people's ear canals and their drives and in their walks and all that. I don't think it's about one person or one like evil small group. I think it's more like we're being played by the uh, uh, the machines that we created in a sense. That's yeah. what Social Dilemma is all about. Man, that sounds like Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm trying to veer away from the Marvel <laughs> comic stuff because ultimately oh. it's just a bunch of people trying to do their best. Um, so... This is a beautiful intersection because at the end of the day, I think that we tend to have these extremes in our thinking about fixing it as well. Like people just need to take responsibility. You gotta lift yourself from your bootstraps. You know, it's, it's the individual, but it's the container in which this stuff is operating where you might not even realize that's a thing. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a thing. I didn't know what health was, what health and wellness. I didn't know the difference between uh, water and Hawaiian punch. It's just shit you drink. Yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? So we have to change from both directions, top down and bottom up. And that corporate side of what I was mentioning, I had to get face to face with this because I've been working for years to try to get people not to go to McDonald's. 
yet those lines are still around the fucking building. Have I really made a dent? Yeah, in some aspects. But the, the change possible that, I'm, that I can make, not even close. Because I'm trying to fight something that is so ingrained every day in America. Prior to the pandemic, 84 million people get fast food. Every day, 84 million people are participating in that entity. How can I just come in and like pull the David Blaine that shit and pull the, the sheet out from under that system? It doesn't work that way. No. It has so much momentum. How do we do it? I had to get face to face like I have to find a way to make that system better. And what it really boils down to again is money. How can we find creative ways that they can still make money, change the buying behavior, changing the options available for the folks that are going to be in those businesses? Not saying that's the ultimate fix, but let's do something there. And to see how they can actually make money has been a game changer. You know, now, right now, there's more and more businesses that are, quote, doing things the right way, like taking that fast food model and then making it like real food. Instead of this, you know, patty from the factory farmed cow that's fed candy and shit. Yep. Like you got the grass fed, you know, burger restaurants and things like that. Um, so it's changing the, and it, they've taken a nice amount of the market share. And the more that expands, the more the fast food entities, you know, the staples start to change their behavior. Like, oh, we're losing market share. They started coming out with fucking kale shakes. You know, like if we keep pushing that button down, that's how we can affect change there as well. You know, so I, I took a look at every single dimension of the equation and put it all into this. Because the thing about a book is, is it has a, there's a shareability to it. There's a virility to it that even goes beyond podcasts. You know, it even goes beyond, you know, social media, which social media, the thing about social media is that it's here today, gone today. Yeah, it's temporal. Like literally it's like a swipe away. Whereas that book is like, I've seen the power of it. You know, when, when my first book came out, when Sleep Smart came out, there had never been a, a successful book on sleep wellness before. You know, and I know the guys like Dr. Michael Bruce, um, you know, no, known as like America's Sleep Doctor. Yeah. Um, you know, he's written on the subject, but Sleep Smarter, what it did is it tapped into, it took a very niche topic and it made it attractive. I created the inroads of like, okay, so we know that we need to quote, you know, get a certain amount of hours of sleep, but why? How does this affect the things people want? So I wrote about how does this affect your body composition? How does this affect your ability to perform at your job? How does this affect your relationships? And I made it sexy. And now it's like translated in like 20 different languages in different countries. And it's created this entire field. Like it's opened up the conversation where this is a real thing now. Yeah. Where for you, it's always been the thing. It's helped us to be here today, sleep. That's how we evolved, but now it's like something, it's on the tip of people's tongue now. But what I was really born to do, I'm a nutritionist, I'm obsessed with food. I got into this space, food was my bridge. Like for many people, there's a bridge that gets them into health or that gets them back to their nature. For me, it was food because the food worked on me because it's, food isn't just food, it's information. And so it started to change me it started to change the thoughts I was carrying. It made the thoughts that I wanted to have easier to sustain. Hmm. 
you know? Because it's one thing to get a powerful message. It's another thing to be able to actually carry that frequency. Yeah. And you have to update your hardware, you know? You have to update the, the, the mechanism in which that's carried. And food is such a powerful entity for that. So that's why I'm very passionate about this, man. And um, this is, I love this statement that there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. And this is our time to really get this. This is our time to really get it. If we can get our citizens healthier, everything else becomes exponentially easier. Hmm. I love that. We gotta wrap this bitch up. We gotta go. We got. We gotta go over to the next. The next channel, Model Health. Yes, most definitely. Most the definitely. the thing that reminds that was I was being reminded of as you were as you were speaking about channels and such. I just did a another conversation with a, a guy called. Do you know Whitney Miller's brother, Colin Ginn? Uh, he's lovely. He won the Amazing Race with his beautiful wife Christy, and they're just like incredible human beings. And he was one of the main pioneers in the whole uh, drone world. So like the antennas and all that, he's like an expert of creating antennas and signals and connections and that. And that was the kind of ongoing analogy that we were doing throughout the, the podcast episode, which people can go listen to that if they want to, um, is you, know, you need, in order to be able to capture certain signals and be able to, to, to put enough, I think he calls it gain or like electricity through it, uh, you need to have the right antenna. You know, and so the antenna the mechanics or the hardware, the antenna itself, dictates the channel that you're able to tune into. You know, so something that you've said for years and years is, is uh, like food is like the raw materials of your, your body. But I think that's an interesting thing. It's like thinking of the food that we're putting into our face slash onto our skin slash, you know, we're always absorbing everything in our environment, including thoughts. It's forming the structure of the antenna, which determines the channels that you're tuning into. So if you're like resting bitch face person, you know, there may be like, oh, you're in channel resting bitch face where the whole world's tough. <laughs> everybody's against you. Everybody's other, you know, and that's like perhaps maybe throw some the recommendations in your book. Eat smarter. We start to kind of go in from a nutritional perspective and, and hone it, that antenna in to get a more, I don't know, at least uplifting channel, I guess. Yeah, yeah that's powerful. So I'm with that. <laughs> where should people go? Where do people? So this will go out. I'd imagine this will go out around when the book goes out. Would be my sense. Yeah, no. This is the first time I'm even talking about it. it was with you, man. Oh, good. The I very first that. conversation. I love that. Thank and you for doing it. No, it's it's how things align, man. Truly, yeah. it's you know you being here at this exact moment when so much has been going on in the world, and I've been focused on this other thing over here. Yeah. And I, I just contacted you. Just happened to be here. I think you're leaving today or tomorrow. You yeah, that's crazy. Aligned. So uh, right now, people can pre-order the book. Pre-order the book. I put together a mini course. Now, I've seen so many of, you know, friends of mine, book launches, and they'll give like, you know, it's a free guide to, right. you know, like we worked our asses off and created an entire mini course right. on specific foods and nutrients that are proven, clinically proven, to enhance the function, to kind of optimize the performance of your fat loss related hormones. And so people can get that right now. So go to eatsmarterbook.com and you can pre-order the book and get access, immediate access to that mini course. But most importantly, pre-order the book because it helps the movement. It helps to ensure that we're stocking the bookshelves. Right. I just found out that we're going to be in Target stores all across the country, which is an absolute miracle for a health book. Yeah. The book is that good. It has to be that good for that to happen. 
that wasn't on my accord except creating it. And so I'm pumped about that, but still, I want to create change. I want to create an, an initiative for change. Every single platform I'm going to get in, onto, I'm going to make sure that this message is heard and a message for change, for getting us our citizens healthier. Finally, this is our opportunity to do it. And it's really our mission. I know it's yours as well. That's why you're here right now too, man. Like you're doing this work and it's so inspiring and seeing through the lens of movement and like you're somebody who walks your talk. I do, well. it, I do it for the chicks. <laughs> chicks dig it. I do it for the chicks. They, they dig the flexi pants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's what it's all about, man. So again, pre people, please pre-order the book right now, eatsmarterbook.com. And I appreciate it so much. Be a part of the movement. Dope. Love it. Thank you so much, man, for inviting me into your beautiful home, meeting your beautiful family, and sharing these moments. Man, I really appreciate it. It's my honor, man. Um, let's go over to the next, to the Model Health Show. Let's do it. On to the next side. Thank you all for tuning in. Over now. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If you did, por favor, share it with the world. If you got any specific insights, uh, take a screenshot, take a screen grab recording, whatever, and share that on Instagram. You can share it with me at Align Podcast, and you can also share it with Sean at Sean Stevenson. I find this a great way to remember specific parts of the podcast. Also, it's just a sweet, charitable thing to do to share these messages with your friends. It helps support the growth of this podcast, and I think it's a, a general good deed for the world. If you find good information, um, we appreciate you sharing it around. Finally, if you guys are interested in open up those sweet, sultry, supple hips of yours, uh, we have the absolute perfect kit for you guys. We referred to it back in the intro. It's called the Align Total Strength Kit, and it includes all the resistance bands you possibly need that you would be potentially using inside of a gym. It replaces the exercises that you would do in a gym, and we break it down with an instructional tutorial guide on how to do so. It includes over 200 pounds of resistance. It's got a hip band. It's got a door anchor. It's got everything that you need to mobilize your joints, strengthen your body, align your parts, and uh, it can be found at alignband.com, A-L-I-G-N-Band.com. Jump on the Total Strength Kit. It's the thing that I've been traveling with for the last month, and it is my absolute saving grace for maintaining fitness while I'm on the road. So all comes in a little backpack and uh, four different resistance bands, hip band, door anchor, instructional guide, Bam! Rad stuff. I know you guys are going to devour it. Alignband.com. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for reviews on iTunes. Thanks for joining you. I will speak to you next week. Bye.